Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the off-day debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation. What is up, BLG? Stats, we have a loaded show for the listeners today. Freedancy is technically here, legal tampering, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just the day before officially free geeks. But uh, we are. A lot of to talk about. Tons of news. There could be breaking news during the show. We're on Jimmy Garoppolo watch. Lord knows I am and have been for quite some time. So if anything Wait, happens. Wait, I need we'll... to jump into this right away, Stats, because I meant to ask you this last week because okay. I need to know what's going to happen. And I think the listeners need to know what's going to happen to you if Jimmy G is on the 49ers no, no, week one in 2022. No. What do you have to do? Like, I feel like you have to do something. You're going to like, don't actually jump off a bridge. I'm not going to encourage <laughs> you or anyone to do that, but I feel like you're going to have to do something, right? He won't be. He can't be. There's no, but first what if of all, he is, that, tell me what you're going to do. Well, first of all, there would have to be some sort of magic because the Niners have to be under the cap tomorrow on Wednesday, and mm. they're not under the cap. They just signed Charvarius Ward. They're, so they're like way over the cap. They need that 25 million bucks. So if I'll go Hugh Jackson, I will find a lake somewhere <laughs> and jump in it if Jimmy Garoppolo is on the Niners roster in 2022. It is not going to happen and don't you dare even try to speak it into existence well you said it now uh it's binding uh it's documented so if it happens we will how about we do maybe we'll raise some chair uh, money for charity too uh you know we'll, we'll try to get that sponsored stats jumps in the lake um yeah <laughs> all right now that you've set me up for you know ultimate disaster here I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. It's the perfect time as news is breaking all the time. And oh, by the way, we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. Like you said, BLG, huge show today. I had the chance to catch up with Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk yesterday. We had a long talk about the quarterback situations, including Jimmy Garoppolo, Deshaun Watson. There could be news on that today. So I want to make sure you, everybody has a chance to hear that before uh, it gets outdated as the news breaks. And you and I, especially you, I know, have been digging through all of the transactions that we've seen so far. You have gone in the lab, as you are wont to do on this show, and you have some winners and losers in free agency so far for us. I can't wait to dive into those. I will give you the floor. Where do you want to start? You want to start positive or you want to take a trip to negative town? What do you want to do? I want to start 
by giving the weekly Oddcast LVP award to RJ Ochoa once again, <laughs> second consecutive week where he wins that award for giving himself uh, a made-up award on his own show. So wanted to start with that one. Is that fair, Solid. Stats? I okay, 100% yeah. undefeated and untied, RJ Ochoa. And go to the real winners who, wow, isn't this on brand? The Eagles, Stats. Look at oh, this. Oh, boy. Here we go. Me, Notorious Eagles Homer. Uh, never criticizing the Eagles at all in the slightest. Uh, jokes aside, stats, I do think they have one of the best deals of free agency so far. Hassan Reddick was a really good signing for them, especially at the price that they got him. He's about the 17th highest paid edge rusher um, at about like $17 million or so. Or no, no. So I was mixing up the numbers here. 17th annually in terms of rank. Um Stats, can you name the amount of players with more sacks than Hassan Reddick over the last two years? Well, first, the amount. Uh, the amount of players? Maybe yeah. two? Okay, so it's four. Okay. Do you know who those four players are? Can you guess any of them? Uh, let's Number see. one should be easy. TJ Watt. Yep, that's number one. Aaron Donald. He's number four. Chandler Jones did not have a great year, so I'm not going to say Chandler Jones uh nick bosa got hurt so i'm not gonna say nick bosa i can give you the last two okay <laughs> miles garrett and trey hendrickson so wow pretty good company there yeah and for him to have this hassan Reddick to have 23 and a half sacks in the past two years and eight forced fumbles in that span by the way like these aren't just like uh you know like cleanup sacks that he's getting these are like impact plays forcing turnovers uh i think it's a really good deal obviously hassan Reddick had a slow start to his career uh, which is kind of weird in hindsight. It's like, why did the Cardinals take forever to move this guy who was an off-ball linebacker for them, who wasn't succeeding at all, to a pass rusher where he instantly thrived? Um, but uh, the Cardinals' loss was the Panthers' gain and, and is now the Eagles' game. I think it's a great deal for Philly. There's a weird thing going on with the Cardinals and linebackers. They keep drafting them. That the, No one like blows you. I don't know what's going on there, but they, they need some work with the development process. But the way I kind of look at this is like how many teams actually improved in free agency? Like I see a lot of teams getting deals, a lot of money getting thrown around. Like the Jags signed a bunch of people. I'm not sure how much better they are. Like this is a move that clearly makes the Eagles better. And, you know, it's one thing to go from, a three-win team to a six-win team. That's improvement, of course, but it's a lot easier than going from a six-win team to a nine or a nine to a 12. And the fact that the Eagles, with this one transaction, were able to clearly get better, I think you have to put them in the winner's column. The Eagles were 29th in sacks last year, stats. So wow. not great. They needed some pass rush help. And look, just because you sign Hassan Reddick doesn't mean you still can't like draft a first round edge rusher. So I think that's what they're still going to do. Uh, and that way you have Brandon Graham, you have Hassan Reddick, you have Josh Sweat, and then you get, let's say, David Ojabo or uh, George Karlaftis, whoever in the first round. And that's suddenly a pretty good pass rush tandem. So uh, I think it's a, it's a really good move by Howie Roseman, who I am always quick to praise for sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it's a good deal. Well, there you go. I'm, I You know what? I'm glad to see you happy, BLG, because I feel like a lot of the time, you know, you weren't really too thrilled with the Eagles and what was going on. It's nice to see you, you know, excited about the team for a change. Uh, people might say that, but uh, I have to balance out the positivity with some negativity stats and not on the Eagles themselves, but uh, former member of the Eagles, or at least the organization now. And you just mentioned them. Stats, what are the Jags doing? Like, uh, I don't Do you know. like the spending spree? 
I I don't know how much better they actually are. That's the thing. Like they threw a lot of money out there. Um, but are they better maybe by a couple of wins, but like it, you're supposed to load up right now with really good players around your rookie quarterback. And it's like, they signed players, <laughs> but are, are they really good? Uh, I don't know. Zay Jones is okay. Christian Kirk. I don't know what the hell they were thinking with that deal. Evan Ingram could be good, but like, I just don't. The best move has been, you know, my guy Foley, Fotakasi there. Other than that, it's kind of just like, eh. I do like the Brandon Scherf addition for them because they need some offensive line help, and he's obviously really good. But, like, you look at these deals, and <laughs> they're just overpaying. And they franchise-tagged Cam Robinson for the second year. I don't think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Zay Jones, three-year, $24 million, like, what do we do? Christian Kirk, like you said, he's getting top nine wide receiver money. Christian Kirk <laughs> is the top 10 receiver in the NFL now. Like, obviously, I know free agency doesn't work that way, but I don't know, man. Like, I understand they had a lack of talent and they needed to get some guys in here. And it's not like you're going to get guys at a discounted rate when you're in Jacksonville. You kind of have to overpay. You're not a destination. But, man, I the way I look at these Jaguars free agency signing stats is, you know, when – uh, I think of a guy like Trey Flowers, who was such a big name uh, going into free agency a few years ago. And, you know, there's like, oh, you know, whoever gets him is winning free agency or whatever. And there's a lot of buzz that, you know, the Lions got him, whatever. It's a great deal. And then a few years later, they're cutting him because he's too expensive. Like, I could see yep. that happening with so many of these Jag signings. These are guys that are going to get cut in a few years because their cap number is going to be too high. They're going to be cap casualties. So uh, I don't love this. I had a reservations about Trent Baalke in terms of like my kind of curbing my optimism for Doug Peterson down in Jacksonville. And none of that is being uh, tempered thus far. I'm still concerned about the Jags roster building philosophy down there. As I wrote for Niners nation this morning, Trent Baalke screws the 49ers again because <laughs> Debo Samuel's agent is looking at that Christian Kirk contract yeah. and popping bottles of champagne right now. Like, Oh really? That's what Christian Kirk is worth. Well, let me tell you about a guy named Debo Samuel, who basically had as many touchdowns last year as Christian Kirk has had in his entire career. Like that contract is obscene. I'm sure Devontae Adams agent loves it because that's, I mean, that's the floor for Devontae Adams is going to blow that deal out of the water. So yeah, I, I don't get what the Jags are doing. I know they spent a ton of money, but again, I, it's bang for your buck here. And I don't know exactly what they're getting. So they might be better, but for what they spent, I don't know that they're going to be that much better. Can I take it back to positive town? Is that okay? Let's do it. I'm going to go to Denver with the Broncos. And this is, you know, quality over quantity, but obviously the Russell Wilson trade is massive. And I'm including <laughs> that in here, but I love the DJ Jones signing for them. And it's mm. my bias here. Cause he was on the 49ers last year. He was incredible for the Niners, particularly against the run. One of the best run-stuffing defensive linemen in free agency, in the league, really. They got him for a three-year deal, $20 million guaranteed, up to $30 million. I think that's very reasonable. Uh, the only question with him was health, but he did manage to stay healthy last year. So props to him. I think he was one of only five Niners to play every game that season. I just think it's a, you know, again, it, it's quantity over quality, but I think Denver is clearly better, obviously, with Russ and then with DJ Jones. I thought the Russell Wilson trade, and I think this is the first time we're getting to talk about it here, right? Because it happened last, what, Wednesday or Tuesday afternoon, whatever. Yes. I don't think we talked about it. So I think that trade was a steal 
for the Broncos, yep. like relative to what you had to give up, that is not that much for a future Hall of Fame quarterback who could conceivably like be the MVP next season. Like he's, he's in that kind of discussion at the very least going into the year. Uh, I, so I think that part of it is great. One thing I would like to see the Broncos do moving forward here stats is add another Jones and that's Chandler Jones. I think you add him Ooh. to their pass rush. Obviously, there's been talk that Von Miller might return to Denver. Um, so maybe it's it's hit, maybe it's Von, maybe it's Chandler Jones. I think if you add another guy to that edge rush to that defensive line, I think you're cooking with gas at that point. I think the Broncos are serious. They're for real now. You get rust, you're in the mix. Obviously, it's a tough division. It's it's not going to be easy. But uh, you add a Chandler Jones to the mix in addition to a DJ Jones, and all of a sudden, pretty nice. Denver is legit, man. Like like you said, if they can get Vaughn or Chandler or another pass rusher there, I would love that. And I just generally want to say that when you look back, and I think it applies to most sports, when you have a deal where it's like one team gets a superstar player and the other team gets back a bunch of stuff, including draft picks, like 95% of the time, the team getting the superstar player wins that deal this right? is the like, bill simmons thing right <laughs> like the four quarters for a dollar like it's better to have the dollar than he, his argument is than four quarters i don't listen to bill simmons but yeah that kind of sounds pretty similar like the herschel walker deal everyone talks about that's like the one time right where the cowboys got back a bunch of assets and turned it into basically the foundations of a dynasty but you look back at the history of most deals in this situation it's almost always the team get that gets the star that wins it i mean the draft picks could be nothing they could all bust and that wouldn't even be like that surprising drew lock stinks no offense a good player but he's a tight end yeah. russell wilson is gonna go and put up you know top five maybe top 10 quarterback numbers there i think the broncos deserve a ton of credit and it's kind of interesting that they're sort of like carving out this niche as like hey get your older quarterback yeah we'll take them forget about <laughs> drafting and developing a guy like we'll just bring in the older dude and make a run at this thing uh, I want to stay in the AFC stats, and I want to stay on the winner's side of things. I have two more teams here. Real quickly, this is almost an honorable mention, so I'm just going to say it quick. I think Justin Reed, who we talked about in our bargain signings last week, wasn't exactly a bargain, but actually got a nice deal with the Chiefs to help replace Tyron Matthew. I think that's a good signing by them. Um, but that's not what I wanted to dive deep in on. I actually wanted to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers stats. I know. Like... The Mitchell Trubisky signing, not because I think Mitchell Trubisky is great or anything. Obviously, no one actually thinks that. But sometimes it's about what you don't do. And when you look at the Steelers, what else they could have done? And let's say maybe give up a second round pick for Jimmy G or give up multiple picks like Washington did for Carson Wentz. Like it's such a no brainer to go out and sign Trubisky for like a pretty reasonable deal. And I still think this means they're going to draft a quarterback, whether that's Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or whoever, Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter, whatever, whatever they do. I still think they're, they're going to draft one. Um, so this isn't like, you know, the, the like we're riding with Mitch Trubisky. He's definitely our guy. So that's part of the context here. I mean, for all of Mitchell Trubisky's faults, and I think you can give him some benefit of the doubt in terms of I don't think the Bears were the most supportive place for him. Uh, and I also think you add him to a more competent organization like Pittsburgh. And also he had a year with Brian Dable. Uh, maybe that benefited him. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But oh, God. look, this is for all his faults. And again, not a Mr. Trubisky fan, but he is a win with player. You can win with him. The Bears did it. They went 25 and 13 in his last three years. So 
excluding his rookie year in Chicago. The Steelers have been able to make it work with freaking Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. The Steelers are not going to break their streak of you know these consecutive winning seasons. They're going to be able to win. They're not going to go to the Super Bowl. They're not competing just yet. But they've kept their floor at a good rate with Mike Tomlin and Mitchell Trubisky there. Uh, and maybe the rookie comes in and he freaking takes the job from Trubisky. That would be the best case scenario for them. But at the very least, they have kind of established a floor here. So for that reason, the Steelers are winners to me. But you hate this for some reason. I Because this is dumb. First of all, I, was I, dumb. I don't understand the Mitchell. What else did Trubisky? you want them to do? Nothing. If if the advantage <laughs> of signing Mitchell Trubisky is that he's cheap, then why sign him at all? Just roll with Mason Rudolph. What's the point? No, no that's not a real option. Trubisky, at least in theory, has like some level of upside. You've Why? seen Mason Rudolph. Why? Because, because how old is he? He's like, like 26 or whatever. Like in theory, he has any like he and he was the number two overall pick for a reason. There was some kind of tools. Because some the kind Bears of, are idiots. That's well, why. yeah, but there's some kind of athleticism there, some kind of like like Mason Rudolph is nothing. That is not a real option for you. So is Mitch. That's what people don't understand. Oh, he had a year with Brian Dable. And what? guess what? Brian Dable just let him go to the Steelers. He didn't bring him to the Giants to compete with Daniel well, Jones. He let was, him go. There was rumors that the Giants were interested and were yeah. also, I think, the second team in that mix. Great. What are rumors worth? How much do rumors cost you? He probably just threw his name out there to help Mitch out. Like, I, I don't mm. get this at all. Mitchell Jabisky for you know has more career starts than jimmy garoppolo so if you're gonna say that like mitchell trubisky has this mysterious unknown like ability that could be unlocked like i'm sorry i just don't see it and i just don't understand the point of the steelers if you're if you're gonna say that he was cheap like just save that money roll with with rudolph and then when you draft a guy which i i agree with you i think they will let that guy take over like halfway through the year. I I just, I don't see the point of Mitchell Trubisky to me. If you're the Steelers, if that's the route you're going to go, I wouldn't do anything. And if the Steelers decided that they were going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, I wouldn't have killed him for that. But you know, I, I just think the Mitch thing, I do not get the hype that this guy is getting. I really do not understand it. He threw eight passes last year and one of them was picked off. What, where <laughs> is this growth that everybody's talking about? Yeah, I don't know that he's grown a lot, but I do think you're downplaying the upside, not just in terms of like his potential, but like the options you have by signing Mitchell Trubisky. You might be able to trade him to some team that's desperate in the summer um, for either a backup or whatever if your rookie starts to look really good in camp. Or um, you also have the option of him helping your comp pick formula the next year. Maybe he does fine and another team goes out and signs him or whatever. Or I guess he won't be a free agent. But again, like the point is you have options there. Mason Rudolph, you, you didn't have any options. And I just don't think you can sell that to your fan base. You can't. You've already seen it. You can't go into the year with him as your quarterback and like and Steelers fans take you seriously. And again, this is an organization that has been consistently uh, not had a losing season for forever now. And I just don't think you can like it we're actually going to take a step back and kind of just tank this year. That's not a real thing to me. You had to do something. They did something that didn't totally uh, screw them over like a Carson Wentz trade would have and been really dumb. So is it like a genius a plus level move? No, but I think it is a winning move. Uh, I think it buys them time. And again, I, I the, the part I like about it the most is that this shows me that they're going to draft a quarterback. I like that. I, thought that I co-hosted a show with a guy who says the worst thing you could be is a middle of the road team. And that's exactly what you're praising the Steelers for acquiring is a middle of the road quarterback who can get them a non-losing season. Yay. 
what like what does that do what is the value of that for the Steelers just to say that Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season for another year like I I don't understand it I just think it's it's a half measure and again if the if the main component is the price then I just think that they should have saved all their I actually had the Steelers in my loser column that's who I was going to go to next for the loser I, I was stunned by this do you think the Steelers are going to make the playoffs this year no okay We'll revisit that in a loaded AFC. No, I don't think they're who is Mitch Trubisky out dueling in the AFC. He's the what baby. He's the what quarterback in the division. He's not better than Burrow. He's not better than Lamar. Is he better than Baker? Probably not. It's similar. So it's like, I just, I don't get it at all. I really don't like, I, if, if the only thing this gets you is another non-losing season. Okay. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I had the Steelers in the in the losers column. Oh, we can go back to the losers column where I also have Rob Statsgrera for disagreeing with me. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I have Washington, which, you know, the Wentz trade is a big reason why. Also didn't get to talk about that, I believe, here on last week's show. Uh, but beyond that, like they have it and there's still time. It's. As we're recording this, to be clear to the listeners, it is Tuesday, March 15th at 10.51 a.m. Eastern. So, you know, there's still time for them to make moves. But the Wentz trade was so bad, especially in contrast to the Trubisky signing. And then they lost Brandon Scherf, which was not unpredictable because they had to tag him twice and couldn't work out a long-term deal. But still, he was their best offensive lineman, and he's not back. Like, that stinks. And then they lost Tim Settle, too, to Buffalo. So not that Tim Settle is like an amazing player and that Washington doesn't still have a bunch of defensive line talent, but they got weaker on both sides of the ball in the trenches in addition to trading for or making a bad trade for a quarterback. So not great. Right. Weaker in the trenches and worse at quarterback. Let's be honest. Like Carson Wentz is a disaster, man. And he put out that long statement did that statement read like a guy that's thrilled to be in Washington? No. No. And by the way, I don't blame anybody for not being thrilled to go to Washington. The, the whole organization is a dumpster fire, but it's just, you're talking about a guy who's had difficulties with coaching and just problems everywhere he's been. Now he's going to a completely dysfunctional organization. How, in what universe is this going to work out for Washington? I just cannot see a way that this works out. It doesn't. I mean, like... <laughs> In theory, I believe that Carson Wentz has more upside than Taylor Heineke does. Like, I think the ceiling is higher, but that's, you know, it's very theoretical. And I just don't know how much better, if at all, like he definitely will be than Taylor Heineke, especially relative to the cost. If you're factoring that in, which you have to, because not only is it the draft picks and everything, but you're also paying him what, like $28 million this year? All like, the money. That. Like that's significant. That absolutely matters. Like, like I think it was with RJ I was talking to. Um, that was like that doesn't matter. <sighs> yes, it does. Like this is opportunity cost. You could take that cap space and use it on other things. Um, so I just think Washington, predictably, uh, is not in a good spot. And it's it's just such a tough sell, man. Like, remember when I was talking to you about how they should trade, or like at least if they traded for Jimmy G, you could be like, hey, this is a guy who has been to the NFC Championship game in, in two of the past three years. And that's something you can kind of like put out there in front of fans with a team with a new name and a rebrand and everything. And it's fake. And a lot of people can see through that. But the people who aren't like paying super close attention might look at that and be like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But with Carson Wentz, I don't even know how like the casual people 
can say, oh, like he was the number two overall pick. Like, no, that's not what he's remembered for anymore. He's remembered from flaming out in both Philly and in Indianapolis with the guy who liked him the most. And I think what you touched on there is important stats. Carson Wentz clearly does not want to be in Washington and agree with you. I can't blame him for that like in a vacuum because no one should want to be there. There's a lot of reasons for that. But that's absolutely significant in this. How do you see it working out when the quarterback doesn't even want to be there? He clearly does not. He wanted to be in Indy so bad. He wanted to be back with Frank Reich, and they didn't want him. And now he has to go not only to a bad organization, but he also has to go back to where he played and is incredibly vilified in Philly uh, at least once a year. And there's going to be a whole lot of Eagles fans going down to that Washington game in Landover, Maryland, uh, when the Eagles play the commanders this season so and also Carson Wentz has to go back to Indy by the way (laughs) and probably get booed there as well so Washington really big losers from this yeah this is an evergreen subject Washington ends up in a loser column and you said it like he really wanted to go back to Indy and Frank Reich right except that column by Zach Kiefer in the athletics said that the Colts could see even before the season started (laughs) that there were problems. So you're talking about a place that he wanted to go to and he couldn't even make it one game before being a jerk. Now he's going to Washington where he doesn't want to be disaster. Get ready for the commanders to be picking a quarterback in in the 2023 draft because that's where they're headed right now. And that's unfortunately for Washington fans, kind of where they've been for recent history here pretty long time yeah way too long if you're a commanders fan all right bog let's take a break when we come back i have my sit down with mike florio we'll get into some of the quarterback stuff deshaun watson jimmy garoppolo and then you and i will close out the show when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Joining us now from ProFootballTalk.com, Football Night in America, Mike Florio. Mike, how you doing? Stats, I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Congratulations. The book, Playmakers, is out today. As per your request, it is featured prominently in my background. As you can see, I hope I have lived up to my end of the bargain. Well, you failed because sources close to me tell me that you actually got two copies. So I expected to see both of them. (laughs) strategically positioned in your background. I don't know where the other one is, but it's not on the shelf behind you. That's true. It, you know, it was an advanced reading copy. I didn't know if you'd want that up there. So I went the nice hardcover version for you. Uh, I did read the whole thing, by the way, just in case you like slipped a 20 in the back. I wanted to make sure. So I have read it cover to cover. You know, I hadn't thought about doing that. I'm way too cheap to actually slip the 20 <laughs> in there, but that would be a good way to find out whether or not people actually read the book. All right, let's get into a lot of different things here. The NFL has had a Let me ask you this first. Let me ask you this first. Did you go straight to the index to see if you were mentioned and where you were mentioned in the book? Did you do that? I didn't. My wife did. She went to the index? She she went to the acknowledgments. She went to the acknowledgments, yes. I deliberately left out an index, officially because I'm too cheap, because (laughs) it's not free to have an index prepared, but unofficially... That's that's a little tweak to the people who I know will go straight for the index. 
straight mm. for the index to see if and when and how and where they're mentioned. And you know what, folks, there's only one way to find out. Sorry, Aaron Rodgers. The only way to find out is to read the book. One of the, my favorite stories that you include in the book is the Warren Sapp P story, which is something that those of us that have been in the business have kind of heard. Eventually, if you're in the business long enough, you hear it, but most people haven't. I love that you put that in there. So now it's going to be out there for the whole world. First of all, I want you to think about how you worded that and ask yourself whether or not you would like to phrase that differently. <laughs> the vegetable, people. The vegetable. It's a story yes. about vegetables. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I put that in the introduction because the whole idea is, and, and there was no real grand plan here. I just realized when it's time to sit down and write it, I have a perspective. And that perspective is honed by 20 years of covering the NFL very closely. One thing I realized as my son got older, played high school football, is older now, older than a lot of the guys in the NFL. It happens quickly. You go from thinking, hey, these guys are about my age to, hey, these guys are all a year or two younger than me to, holy crap, guys younger than me are getting second contracts worth $100 million. But I've wanted fans to at least understand the humanity of the players. We all tend to line up behind the laundry. Both Billy Crystal and Jerry Seinfeld have that bit about how if you're a sports fan, you're just rooting for laundry. And if a guy changes from one piece of laundry to another piece of laundry, you go from loving to hating him. And as a result, fans tend to line up behind the billionaires and not recognize that the guys who are out there taking the risks, wearing the helmets, getting hit, having their short-term and long-term health impacted, and having a very limited period of their entire lives where they can make this kind of money. They are the ones that need to have a greater degree of sympathy, empathy, not apathy or antipathy, which I think a lot of them end up facing because anytime there's a fight, the knee-jerk reaction by the fans is to line up behind the owners and blame the players for being too greedy and wanting more when you should realize they deserve every penny they get and then some. Go buy Playmakers, read it. You'll get a new appreciation for what some of the players go through. Speaking of those players, Mike, I want to get into a lot of things here. It's been a week in the NFL. Uh, let's start with what happened most recently, and that's Tom Brady. He's quote-unquote back, if you want to call it that. Essentially, he gave up football for Lent and has decided to return after 40 days. What was the point of that retirement? Well... I don't know that we'll ever know the whole story, but it was obvious early on that he was having second thoughts. Six days after he announced his retirement, he goes on his own podcast and he says, never say never. And I don't know how I'm going to feel in six months. Well, he didn't know how he was going to feel in six weeks. And I think he was feeling that way then. And look, we reported a couple of weeks ago at PFT that the Dolphins were exploring a package deal for Saints coach Sean Payton and Tom Brady and the Brian Flores lawsuit pulled the plug on that. So I think some stuff was going on. And I think Brady knew if he was going to try to make his way out of Tampa, you needed to get it all done by the start of the league year. And he was realizing pretty quickly that if the Buccaneers were going to hold their team together, it needed to be done by the start of the league year because guys were going to leave. Sean, uh, Ryan Jensen, excuse me, the center was going to sign with another team. And the Buccaneers may have gone after Deshaun Watson or Baker Mayfield or somebody else. And once you make that move for a quarterback, then it becomes awkward at best, impossible at worst to have both guys under contract. So I, I really do think Brady explored his options. And I do believe that he toyed with the idea 
of playing for another team. And I don't know whether or not the 49ers were or weren't interested. They weren't interested two years ago. I'd like to think they'd, they'd learn from that blunder. It was very strange that one of Brady's breadcrumbs suggesting that he was coming back was uttered in the same answer where he pointed out he was visiting his parents in Northern California. He was going to sleep in the bed in the house he grew up in at a time when Kyle Shanahan wasn't at the scouting combine. And just days before former Michigan teammate Brian Greasy becomes the quarterback's coach of the 49ers. I think the planets were lining up, and I don't know whether it's the Buccaneers slammed the door. I don't know whether it's Brady just decided he didn't want to get his hands dirty to try to try to get his way out of Tampa Bay. But I'm surprised he's playing for the Buccaneers. I'm not surprised he's back. And if we've learned anything over the course of the last week, this may not be over. I'm not saying where it's going to go, but it may not be over. It may not be six months of status quo after we've had six weeks of crazy. I mean, that would be kind of weird for the 49ers if you're hiring Brian Greasy thinking that Tom Brady is going to be your quarterback. And then it's like, oh, sorry. Well, I guess Trey Lance, you'll just have to deal with Brian Greasy now. Well, and they presumably believe that Brian Greasy will do a good job, but there's that connection to Brady that may have made it an attraction if they were even thinking about that. But the circumstances at least cried out for speculation that Brady was thinking about going back to San Francisco. And, you know, it could be as simple as, his wife was pressuring him to call it quits. His wife realized after a few weeks that this guy's miserable not playing football, <laughs> miserable not being part of it. And maybe the compromise was, you can go back, but let's do it in Tampa so we don't have to move. And so you're not on one side of the country while we stay here because the family really likes Tampa. Miami made sense because they're building a big house in Miami and it's close to Costa Rica. And th there's a lot of reasons for Mrs. Brady, a.k.a. Giselle Boonshin, to be content with Miami if they had gone there. But San Francisco may have just been too far away for it to work out from a personal perspective. Now, remember this stats. He is under contract for just one more year. He'll be a free agent next year. And okay. I don't know what he's going to do next year. He surely is not going to call this his farewell season because he doesn't want to have a farewell tour. He's already said that. So I think he's going to be very vague about 2023. But a year from now, we could be going through the whole, where is Tom Brady going to play in 2023 unless he signs a contract extension with the Buccaneers? I don't even want to think about a year from now. Can we... No, look, we're going with Trey Lance. That's it. Like, oh, come on now. This is I don't nuts. think it'll be the 49ers a year from now, but there'll be yeah. a team out there that could make the pitch to Brady. We are Tom Brady away from competing for a championship. There's, there's always going to be a team like that, I think, that it feels like it's got everything together, but it just needs that quarterback. And as long as Brady can move away from pressure, as long as he can get rid of the ball before the walls close in and, and he starts getting hit, because if he starts getting hit, he's going to start getting hurt. At some point, Father Time is going to win. And it's possible Father Time wins at some point between September and January, that we see it happen before our very eyes during football season. But the guy's arm is going to be there. And no, you know, we've been watching for the decline for years now, and it hasn't happened yet. So... I know we're going to keep watching, but there's no reason to think it's going to happen this year. The other quarterback that everyone's talking about is Deshaun Watson, who has a lot going on uh, today. He's going to testify or he's going to give a deposition under oath about the activities that led to the civil suits and the criminal complaints. 
but the league also hasn't had their say yet. Mike, what is the sense you are getting? Is the NFL going to punish Deshaun Watson or are they going to say, well, he already sat out a year. That's kind of like time served, but he got paid. He got paid and they haven't really done that with other guys. Antonio Brown had a de facto unpaid suspension for most of the 2019 season. They still suspended him eight games in 2020. I go back to the Ben Roethlisberger precedent from 2010, where he was accused of sexual misconduct in Georgia. No charges were ever filed. I still believe that a settlement was reached with the alleged victim, which is fine. Justice comes in many different shapes and sizes. And if the alleged victim is satisfied with the outcome, so be it. But Roethlisberger was suspended six games, reduced to four, and that was that. That was 12 years ago. I think since then, the NFL has learned that there is wisdom in deferring any action until the league absolutely positively has to act. And I know that that was the attitude last year when the league had not placed Deshaun Watson on paid leave because we all expected at some point, we've got a critical mass here of 22 civil lawsuits. We've got a criminal investigation. At some point, they have to put him on paid leave. Well, they didn't because he never tried to play last year. The Texans essentially had him on paid leave. And if he would have been traded to the Dolphins or the Panthers, and those were the two teams that were in a position to do it, then the NFL would have had to decide what to do. But they weren't going to decide until they had to. That makes me wonder whether or not they'll wait for the 22 civil cases to be resolved before they do anything. So he plays for now. He's not on any type of exempt list or any type of suspension for now. If he goes to trial on those 22 cases and he's exonerated one after another, maybe there's never any punishment whatsoever. No scrutiny by the criminal justice system. No verdict against him in the civil justice system. What's there to punish him for? So. I think we need to remember that the NFL has learned the hard way that its best move is to defer action until it absolutely positively has no choice. And I think the choice for now is we can wait and see what happens with the civil cases. There's a whole section of your book, Playmakers, that's devoted to how the NFL learned those lessons. So again, buy it. This is the type of stuff you get when you read the book. Um, the Eagles are among Maybe the I should teams. have put a 20 in the back of the book. <laughs> See that? That was smooth. Come on, give me a little credit. Um, the Eagles have been mentioned for Deshaun, the Saints, the Panthers. He's supposedly going to meet with them. If you represented one of those teams and you're meeting Deshaun Watson, whether in person, Zoom, whatever, what's your first question to him? Well, before we even get to the interview, I want a copy of the transcript of the deposition that he gives on Tuesday, because that thing could go very well for him or it could go incredibly poorly and all points in between. We don't know because we haven't heard much from him. And he's gonna be sitting across the table from a lawyer who is experienced, seasoned and aggressive. And I know from the time I practiced law, I questioned people under various different settings and contexts. And for the person who's being questioned, It's usually the first time they've ever done it. Now, he got a little bit of a preview on Friday when he was at a deposition and he, under the advice of counsel, repeatedly invoked the Fifth Amendment. That's easy because it's the same answer every time. (laughs) When you start getting questions about your apparent habit, admitted habit, of finding massage therapists on social media, your lawyer has already admitted that some of those encounters became sexual voluntarily. 
becomes a delicate situation. And then you start getting questions that you think are accusatory and you start getting a little bit frustrated and you feel like the lawyer is trying to play games with what you're saying. And at some point, the human being takes over. And the, the, the challenge is, and it reminds me a lot of what happens at the scouting combine when the coaches and the GMs try to break through the preparation that the agent has subjected the player to because they're all prepared and they all give the right answers. So you come at them in ways aimed at cracking that shell. That's what a lawyer does when questioning someone at a deposition because the lawyer assumes that person has been prepared. And I always could tell the ones who were the best prepared. Those were the ones that required the most creative ways to crack through it. And some people will do different things. They'll try to be very nice and disarming that way. Or they'll be very hostile and over the top and just pound and pound and pound. Or they'll, they'll try you know, to, to make it look like they don't really understand the case all that well. And the witness starts to feel a little, you know, this, this guy's an idiot. And you, and you <laughs> get a little hubris at play here. Now, I did that sometimes, but it wasn't intentional. But the, the, the bottom line is, until we see, and if I'm one of the teams, I say to Rusty Harden, to Sean Watson's lawyer, you got to get me that transcript. You got to get me that video. I can't bring this guy to town until I know how this goes. Because the fact that he hasn't been charged criminally doesn't mean anything to the broader question of how this ultimately plays out. Because it could play out with a trial in open court with Deshaun Watson performing as poorly on the witness stand there as he performed at a deposition if it indeed goes poorly. So that is a key piece of information before you ever even get into the room and sit down, whether it's face-to-face -face or via Zoom like this, before you ever sit down with Deshaun Watson, you have to see how that went. And it may go badly enough that you decide, I'm out. Where do you think he winds up ultimately? Well, and, and that's what I thought was funny over the weekend. There was so much reporting about teams interested in Deshaun Watson. And I think on this issue, the player and the team, the Texans, the current team, have fully aligned interests because they want to smoke out as many teams as possible. But then the question becomes, who is Deshaun Watson interested in? Who will he waive his no trade clause for? We don't know that. Last year, it was only Miami. The Panthers wanted him. The Panthers would have taken him without the criminal investigation or the civil cases being resolved. He didn't want them. He wanted Miami. It didn't work out. Miami wanted all 22 cases resolved. Now, who knows? I think the Eagles make the most sense because they're the best team of the bunch. They have the most stability of the coaching staff because it's just year two for Nick Sirianni. And you look at the offensive line, the defense, the quality of the players, the quality of the division, the quality of the conference. I definitely want an NFC team if I'm Deshaun Watson. And now that Tom Brady's back, I, I want to jump into the NFC East. I think the Eagles make the most sense. People are saying the Seahawks, but the Seahawks have the potential to be the 2020 Texans where it's a one-man band and the guy's running for his life and they're competing against the Rams, the Cardinals, and the 49ers. Why would you want that if you're Deshaun Watson? So I really do think the Eagles make the most sense, and we'll see if he agrees after he has a chance to talk to the Eagles. And if you're Howie Roseman, you have these three first-round picks. You've already missed out on Russell Wilson. I feel like there's more kind of desperation from that side of it to get a deal done because if they go into the draft and make these three first round picks without getting a quarterback, I feel like that's almost a failure in a way. Back in 2013, Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie, who we have learned in recent years, is far more involved in the football operation than meets the eye. He said loudly and clearly our top priority right now is to find a franchise quarterback. And not long after that, Nick Foles threw seven touchdown passes and no interceptions against the Raiders. Chip Kelly said snarkily, 
this guy's our starting quarterback for the next thousand years. He was gone before too long for Sam Bradford in that trade that happened first day of free agency, I think 2014. And then they realize it's not Bradford after they realized it wasn't Foles. Then they go all in for Carson Wentz. And he kind of seemed like the guy until he gets injured and Foles actually becomes the guy who wins the Super Bowl. They stick with Wentz. They finally give up on Wentz. They have Jalen Hurts, but they don't know what Hurts' ceiling is going to be. They've seen enough from Deshaun Watson that if they want a franchise quarterback, he's the guy for the next 10 years. So even though Hertz has shown signs that he could be pretty good, the question is, is he going to be pretty great? We've already seen pretty great from Deshaun Watson. So when you think back to what Jeffrey Lurie said in 2013 and all the meanderings and somehow they win a Super Bowl championship along the way, but they still don't have a franchise quarterback, Deshaun Watson's the guy. They had Donovan McNabb all those years and they were high level contenders for his career. Deshaun Watson makes them a high-level contender for up to a decade if they can get it. So then the last person I want to ask you about is Jimmy Garoppolo because only one team's getting Deshaun Watson. There's going to be other teams out there that need a quarterback. I have maintained that Garoppolo intentionally waited to have the surgery in an effort to try and tank his trade value and get released by the 49ers. We are one day away from the start of the new league year. The Niners need to get under the calf What's happening with Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, I, I, I doubt they're going to cut him. And I think there would be a, tr- a team out there willing to trade for him despite the uncertainty. The problem is he's in the last year of his contract. So what do you give up for a guy who's in the last year of his contract? Because you have no certainty beyond this year. It's one of the reasons why the Vikings would have had a hard time trading Kirk Cousins without an extension agreed to by him. And even though Jimmy Garoppolo's no trade clause expired last year, if he doesn't want to play for a team, why do you want to trade for him? hey, we're interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, Jimmy's not interested in you. Well, we're going to trade for him anyway. He'll, you know, he'll have to, he'll, you'll get nothing and like it. That doesn't work with your quarterback. <laughs> it works with other players. It does not work with your quarterback when you expect him to be the guy who shows up early, stays late, studies film, holds teammates accountable. You don't want that guy doing the bare minimum. You don't want that guy to not want to be there. Remember last year, the Bears were interested in Carson Wentz, but he wasn't interested in them. So even though he didn't have a no trade clause, if he doesn't want us, why the hell are we doing this? So I look at the Colts and the Saints as the possible destinations. And I think right now, you know, a week ago, the guy who was holding everything up was Aaron Rodgers. And we saw how quickly the Russell Wilson trade happens after Rodgers says he's staying in Green Bay. Now the guy who's holding everything up is Deshaun Watson. Once we know where Watson is going, I think Garoppolo falls into place. And I think they will find a trade for him. There's still a chance they'll keep him, but I don't think they will. If they do, it's a hell of an indictment against Trey Lance. But at one point last year, stats, Jed York, the CEO of the team, he was doing an interview, I think, with Matt Mayoko of CSN Bay Area. And he suggested, you know, if the investment in Trey Lance's future includes paying $50 million to Jimmy G for the next two years, I'm paraphrasing, but that was his point, then so be it. And it really wouldn't stun me if they did it. They almost got to the Super Bowl with him last year. The question is, how ready is Trey Lance? And the answer is only they know. So maybe they're inclined to keep him around. I don't know. But either way, he's in the last year of his contract. And it feels like a bidding war could break out for him just because you look around and we expected a lot more quarterbacks to be available. And they just aren't. And that makes the quarterbacks who are available, even if they're not great, it makes them more desirable. The book is Playmakers. It is out now. Go buy it. Read it. It will make you a better, smarter football fan. Mike's, as always, thank you very much for the time. Stats, thanks for having me. And uh, don't, don't let me find that, that other copy of Playmakers <laughs> on eBay anywhere.
I'll make sure you don't find it. <laughs> Thanks again to Mike Florio for the time. BLG, I'm on Jimmy G watch, baby. Let's go. Let's get this thing done. Or else you're going to have to jump into a lake. Uh, yeah. Stats, I had one honorable or dishonorable mention as a loser left over from our winners and losers. Uh-oh. And that is your favorite quarterback in the NFL, uh, or at least related to that. Kirk Cousins, baby. Uh, <laughs> he's a winner, to be clear, because yeah, he, he, he is. needs to get money. In terms of making money, no other way is he a winner. But uh, the Vikings, I mean, also losers. Why are you committing to Kirk Cousins for another year? Terrible move. Kirk Cousins has played on a guaranteed contract for eight straight seasons. He's made over $230 million in his career. And his biggest supporter, myself and RJ Ochoa, would say he is not as bad as you think. That's the okay. most positive thing we can say about Kirk Cousins, and he's made $230 million. And what does that get you? Yeah, like, what What are you getting with this? What are you, you're paying, it's it's all, it's, it's not in a vacuum. No one's, it's not about evaluating Kirk Cousins in a vacuum. It's about applying the context of what he's being paid and saying, and applying, you know, like relative expectations and saying he consistently falls short of those expectations. That is my whole thing. And when you're paying a guy elite money, elite, elite money to be, you know, like a team stuck in the middle. I mean, I think that's the worst place to be. $40 million Kirk Cousins is going to make next year. And it is fully guaranteed. Great work if you can get it. I've been saying he has showed everybody how every quarterback, how to handle their contract. You play through the franchise tag. You hit the open market. Dak Prescott followed his example. He got hurt and he still got paid. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Lamar Jackson is doing the exact right thing with the Baltimore well. Ravens. Thanks, but no thanks. And I'll see you when I hit the open market and then you can pay me like everybody else. Credit to Kirk Cousins, not an elite quarterback, elite negotiator. Well, the Lamar thing is a whole, we'll talk, tackle that on another podcast this offseason. Ooh, but okay. I think, well, part of that is the Ravens don't want to pay him, clearly, or at least like hesitant to some extent to pay him. They're not just backing up the uh, the Brinks truck, is it, to, to just dump all the money possible on him. There's also some reluctance from their side. But again, that's another topic for another day. Enjoy your day, everybody. Enjoy free agency. Again, rate, review, follow the SB Nation NFL show. When there is big breaking news, we will be live reacting to it for you. So you definitely want to subscribe. So all that goodness goes right to your phone, right into your life. BLG, enjoy the Eagles moves. I hope for your sake they make more. And we'll talk to everybody next week.